From Silverdale, Washington, this is the Story Night Podcast. We tell stories here. My name is Stephen Gardner, and I'm the host of the podcast and of Story Night Events. This is podcast episode 72, for those of you scoring at home. We can't bust heads like we used to, but we have our ways. One trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville. I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel, and in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was a style at the time. They didn't have white onions because of the war. This week's story comes from Mike Etkin. He told it in February 2018 when the story night theme that night was anything found from the book The Smell of Other People's Houses by Bonnie Sue Franklin. Here's Mike. Uh, before I start, I'm curious how many of you all have actually read the book, just so I kind of... Oh, good, 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 Okay. Well, I hope you'll feel like this fits. Uh, this story... Well, I'll just jump right into it. My dad was a farm boy from Ohio. My mother was a farm girl from a different part of Ohio. They met while, while my father was a first-generation college student in Ohio State, and my mother was a nursing student and the first in her family to go to college. Uh, they fell in love, they intended to get married, but they had one major difference that they needed to overcome, and that was religion. We resolved that, or it was resolved for them, because my mother, the Lutheran, was required to convert to Catholicism so that my father, the Catholic, could marry someone who had not originated in the faith. They married, life went on. They settled near Columbus, Ohio, and in seven years of marriage had the first four of their six children. My father obtained a doctorate degree at that point in time, and we moved to Rhode Island. Catholics. We moved to a family that, excuse me, we moved to a state that was 60% Catholic in the 1960s. We moved to a state where in 1960, John Kennedy was running a presidential campaign and was elected to be the first Catholic president in United States history. And I enrolled in Catholic parochial school where the nuns were Irish, they loved the Kennedys, and they probably worshipped the Kennedys almost as fervently as they did the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> to say it was a Catholic community was uh, is an understatement. However, it must be said that that the parishioners at St. Francis Parish in Wakefield, Rhode Island, always held those nuns in a state of kind of uh, fear uh, because they, the nuns of that time had a kind of a mysterious, dark aura about them, kind of a mixture of severity and unsmiling presence and even peculiarity. But they ran the Catholic school, and I quickly learned in Catholic school that there were basically three precepts or three important pillars in the community. Number one, the academic curriculum was rigorous. And today I still have the penmanship and the good grammar to support that. 
The nuns believed that creative corporal punishment was pretty good, and more of that was even better. And, of course, religious instruction, which we called catechism, was a daily part of the instructional day, and the nuns tolerated absolutely no dissent, especially from 8-, 9-, and 10-year-old boys. Was I a good Catholic boy back then? Absolutely. It was inevitable. I was in a Catholic family. I lived in a mostly Catholic community. Uh, I believed in authority. I believed what adults told me. I was a mischievous boy to a certain point, but I also had a very strict and demanding father who had clear expectations that all of us followed, including my mother. And for all intents and purposes, it was a lot safer and healthier to go along, follow directions, not ask questions. The pillar, the, uh, one of the important uh, lessons that we, you know, we eventually came into in, in uh, grammar school was studying the presidents. And, of course, we spent a lot of time on the Kennedys and, and the wonderful, glorious Kennedy presidency and all that approved. Uh, certainly, the election of the presidents was probably a real confirmation to the nuns that they were not only on the right side of religion, but they were on the right side of history. Anyway, as we studied uh, the presidents, we studied President Lincoln. And I realized that President Lincoln freed the slaves, which I thought was a really, really magnificent thing. I held on to that fact. And then one day we were back in our religious instruction and we were talking about the one true faith, which was Catholicism. One of the important precepts of being members of the one true faith, and isn't this familiar to all of us, is that all of those other folks were screwed. Not that that's what the nuns just said. They were, it's just like, you know, they were not part of the one true faith. And you know what that means. Myself, being an unquestioning 8 or 9 or 10-year-old boy, it never occurred to me that a lot of my friends and my neighbors and even my Lutheran relatives, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunts and uncles, were not Catholic and consequently not part of the one true faith. It was a matter of time, and I can't remember exactly when it happened, but, but the synapses fired one day, and I realized that if you were a member of the one true faith, you were going to hell. That meant Abraham Lincoln went to hell. That meant my grandparents, whom I loved, and who were old and who I knew were going to die one day, were also going to go to hell. And I came home crushed to ask my mother, Mom, how, how, how can this be? How can Grandma and Grandpa die and go to hell one day? And what about Abraham Lincoln? He, he's already there, along with all the other dead presidents. My mother was indignant, but flustered. She wanted to know who told me that. And I, I said, nobody told me. I just figured it out. The one true faith, salvation, all that stuff. We knew that non-believers, the best thing you could do is try to convert them and bring them in. She had no answer. She was stuck. And I didn't have an answer either immediately. But what I tried to draw from that and what has lasted with me to today is three or four lessons. First, I realized wisdom and authority are not necessarily the same thing. I realized that... Righteous is not always right, and justice is not always just. I realized even as an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old boy, adults don't always have the answer. And I also felt like, over time, it was high time for me to start thinking for myself 
asking my own questions, drawing my own conclusions, and going forward in life, which is what I've done. And it's worked out pretty well, although my wife sometimes gets aggravated when I, you know, when I say, who told you that? How do you know? That's it. Thank you. Thank you to Mike for your story. I could go on at length about how relevant Mike's story is to my life and my story at this point in my life, but I'll let it be as it is for now. I'll just let the mystery be. You're going to hear that again. Story Night events are a partnership between Story Night and the Kitsap Regional Library. We have our events the first Thursday of every month at the Cloverleaf Sports Bar and Grill in Bremerton. Our next Story Night is Thursday, March 1st, 2018, as of this recording. The theme that night will be Persistence. Come to StoryNight.org to find the other podcast episodes and about our events. On Facebook, search for the Story Night page for the same updates, and on Twitter, we're at StoryNightWa. For our song to exit, I said the phrase before. It was on purpose. The song is Let the Mystery Be by Iris Dement. Thank you all for listening. We look forward to hearing your story. Everybody is wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is worrying about where they're going to go in the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain and so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say once gone, you're gone forever. And some say you're going to come back. Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior if in sinful ways you lack. Some say that they're coming back in a garden, bunch of carrots and little sweet peas. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Everybody is wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is worried about where they're going to go. I don't think this one's got the distance.